for the guys, you don't need to be macho all the freaking time. Yes, you need to be confident. Women are attracted to that. But you also need to be vulnerable at the times you need to be vulnerable. And that especially takes place when you have kids. Hey, welcome to All In with Rick Jordan. I am Rick Jordan, your host, and I'm here with Nate Peo. Did I pronounce your last name right? You did get it right. Congratulations. Dude, how many get that <laughs> wrong? Because it's only three letters, but I guess it could go any way, right? It's about 50% of the people get it wrong. I think uh, if, if they do what you did, which is st- just stammer just a second and yeah. think about it, they always go the right way. But if they just think they got it, then they always get it wrong. That's funny. If they just blaze right through it, that's awesome. So, dude, we were talking just a little bit ago, and I want to dive into this first because I think this is the best news ever. You just had a new baby girl, yeah? Yeah, we we uh, today she's four weeks old. Um, brought her home from the hospital, you know, just over three and a half weeks ago, and uh, getting adjusted to new schedules around the house. It's it's quite interesting. So, what you say new schedules? Because you have you have a son already, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, we I've been you know here at home since since covid started so you know we've we've kind of worked out a, a an arrangement my yeah. son is three and a half and he's you know he had his his schedule right right before yep, the baby yep. came home he'd get up you know sometime around 7 30 8 o'clock in the morning get up and go get in bed with mommy and you know have his milk and just kind of like get through the day and then you know we'd go about and he had activities planned or whatnot throughout the day then we bring the 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 baby girl home and all of a sudden like she's on her schedule which is getting up roughly two two and a half hours to feed um then you rock her back to sleep then you put her back to sleep and so like all these you know changes start start happening yeah you you know you're used to having flexibility like for me i would get up early get my workout in get some reading done get some personal time done and then be ready to hit the day by the time it starts but like now she's in you know a feeding window um about uh, 45 minutes after i get up so there's this kind of like this window of like okay get a little bit done now i gotta go drop off help mom for a little bit okay now i'm rocking the baby back to sleep do i have enough time to do this or that so your, your schedule definitely changes a bit because um a new baby takes up uh, a lot of a lot of time and and they're um they're a lot of fun, but but they're you know they're on this schedule of eating, sleeping, and changing. Oh, it's their schedule, the, the yeah, for sure, nights. absolutely, yeah. especially yeah. the first few nights. So she's four weeks into this right now, and I, I think yep. back to my kids, man, when I had twins, right, and everyone's like, oh my god, that must have been so much work, and I start thinking, it's like, well, I really didn't know any better because I, they were my mm-hmm. first, the, the multiples, right? But then we had a, a son come along about two and a half years later, and I remember that shift, right? Because our twins, who were two and a half years old at this point, they were in their own schedule. You know, they pretty much got up. And but what was cool is they kept themselves entertained. So we didn't even have to go in and get them right away because now they're two something years old. And I remember them just standing up in the cribs and just yelling back and forth at each other, making each other laugh. And they could do that for like an hour and a half, dude. So it didn't really matter so much. But you've got you've got a son, and then you have a daughter, and you've got nobody to entertain the son while you're trying to <laughs> help your newborn daughter. Yeah, I feel for yeah. you, man. And it's fu- it's funny because he's very enthusiastic uh, about his sister, but he's 
like no comprehension of being careful. So like he's yeah. jumping around, begging around. You're like, whoa, she's a little baby. She's she's fragile. Yeah, like, you can't get that close. Then like you know, as I understand, you're trying to like separate the two of them because yeah. you know he, he he's just not 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 aware. How old is your son? What he's capable. Of. He's three and a half. He is okay. So cool. So he could probably hold her here and there. Do you do, does he like to do that? Yeah, he does, but you know, it's it's under proper supervision. Of course, of course. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's not like you're going to give the kid a torture or something like that, right? And of course, it's proper yep. supervision. That's fun. Hold the head up, you know. Make sure you got support under the neck and everything, dude. I, I love that, man. There's, I remember, there's nothing like the feeling I had when I first became a dad, and even when mm-hmm. my my youngest came around, just two and a half years later, it was the same feeling because it's just it's a new person, and it's something that is it's someone that is very much attached to you in a way that is just indescribable unless you go through it already you know so for parents or anybody that's listening that's not a parent yet when you get to that point to where finally there's a kid that's right there it's weird in a very good way is that you have this like instantaneous connection and it, you almost don't even feel like maybe it's different for women because they're pregnant with the kid for you know eight to nine months and that's there but when you're a dude like you and I right we don't we don't see the kid yet we can we can hear him we can feel the kicks and everything but as soon as that dude or girl is born man there's nothing like that instant soul connection that you have to that kid that feeling did you experience the same thing oh for for sure like when my son was born your mind just things you used to like never even think of or consider yeah just didn't even cross your mind all of a sudden it's just like it's constantly forefront you're like you're just constantly thinking like oh my god they could get hurt here they could get hurt there they could do this and like you know i think back to like when i was a kid and was like very you know carefree and just you're just rambunctious and all that stuff and i'm like thinking oh my god like i used to do this crazy stuff like he's probably gonna be up to it <laughs> but you're you, you first have your son your mind just does just change like there used to be if i was watching the news or something and you saw somebody being a bad parent you just kind of like oh man what a jerk you know whatever yeah. but, but like it, it would be like in the now it's like oh my god like it just infuriates me when when people are um callous to to young children because they're so innocent and they're so just like trusting of you as an adult to just take care of them they are yep Yep. it was like an immediate mind shift of of caring for somebody that that you've created plus it's just a crazy thought that like this little person grew inside of you know you know the mother and then they come out and they're like they're growing every day and they're from this little tiny tiny eight pound baby to you know a toddler it's it's just it's so fascinating and so like miraculous that it happens but until you're like a parent i think it it doesn't really sink in you know right on until that very moment it's but you know like i'm saying it might be different for a woman because they're carrying the child for such a long time you know and i'm sure they feel the kid of course right i don't know but that's what i'm told but then you know i'm thinking too in the back of my head you know it's like you're in residential construction right i bet you never thought to talk about this today which is what i love about this show so we're just diving into the real real right yeah 
you know, whatever we want to talk about, hey, I'm fine with it. Yeah, that's good, man. Well, that well then that opens up a whole realm of possibilities, doesn't it? Let's Yeah, we can go anywhere. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so many I had about 38 different thoughts across my mind right then. Some of them not so good, but anyways, we're just going to keep rolling on. But dude, I love your vulnerability okay. on this too, man, because guys, you know, there's a, I see this a lot with dads especially as there's there's this tendency that they have to be this macho dude right in front of everybody else but i think the kids when they come along it really tends to soften the guy and and just it's part of that connection because there's it's indescribable what you feel as soon as that kid's born but even after that you know or, or when they talk about their kids and that's what i appreciate about you is that you're so vulnerable in talking about your kids which is awesome you don't see that very often especially in dudes mm -hmm. you know and, and just getting down to the real real of what it is to be a dad that's what i think a lot of men need to hear more about and understand that it's okay and it doesn't it doesn't strip away your man card because you're saying that you love your kids it doesn't strip away your man card because you want to go hang out with your kids just by yourself without your wife or your partner your spouse whatever it is because you just want that one-on-one -on -one time that's one thing that i value with my kids man I, I always take my kids out i have three of them one-on-one -on -one, and i have no issues my youngest son and i just got sombreros for free at the mexican restaurant right this higher-end mexican restaurant the other day because it was just he and i it was my 10 year old right he's my youngest now we're sitting there in the restaurant they're like oh it's just a dad and sunday i'm like yeah everybody else is at home you know i, I love just taking out my kids one-on-one -on -one and like oh that's so cute and adorable you know i don't know women find it here's something too right for the single guys out there i know you never went thought it was going to go this way but <laughs> dude women love a caring dad they absolutely do. So if you have a kid already, maybe that relationship didn't work out. Oh, by the way, this is the second time I've given dating relationship on the show in the past week, which is weird because I never have in the past year and a half I've been doing this, right? It's, hey, it's, a, it's a new niche for you. I guess, maybe, right? But I mean, this is just pulling from real world examples. I'm married, great. But Sunday when we were at lunch, you know, all the women around the female servers are like, oh, that's so adorable that a dad's taking his kid out because it seems to be rare. So dudes, listen to Nate. Be vulnerable, you know, love on your kids and love them in public because that's something that's attractive to women and it's going to raise your kids up right. Yeah, I, I think it's it's interesting. Like I grew up uh, as an 80s kid, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, prior to that, like the way my parents grew up too is like there was this idea of like, you know, the dad wasn't that you know intimate with their child like yep, it was like yep. you know until they reach a certain age then they became yeah like you know, five six years old that was got, the stigma right yeah yeah or like i think of like yeah. the, the Mad Men shows where like the dad just smoked cigars when the baby was delivered they didn't even see it happen and then they didn't care for the changed diapers and that's definitely changed a bit and uh, for well, some it has yeah there's still the, some that are stuck yeah. But it's, it's crazy to think, like, if you said, hey, you're going to go spend hours with a, a two- or three-year-old kid, and you're yeah. going to have, like, the time of your life. You're like, what are we going to talk about? Like, what are we going to do? What are we? And it's just I had so much fun just seeing their imaginations work and yeah. how they comprehend things. And, um, you know, I'm always amazed at like these leaps that they have like you you think like a baby's it gonna turn into a child like very gradually yeah like, <laughs> like baby steps it's yeah like, it's just like one day they can 
can't walk and the next day they can't yep. one day they yep. can't talk and next day they're doing whole sentences yep. and it's the same way as like all of a sudden they're just telling you this story and you're like holy crap like how how do you even know one those words how do you know how to string them together yeah. how do you know the context that that's the appropriate way to use it yeah. like it's just it just is so fascinating uh, and then they um they model a lot of what you do and you and model what you know the my wife does the good and the Gosh, bad that's just crazy yeah, yeah, for i have sure. to watch myself because i've had a few yep. instances where where i've done some stuff and, and he's like repeating it i'm like yeah that wasn't probably daddy's best moment um to to, to show you and uh, let's not repeat that and then you know of course mom comes home and he's like hey daddy did this and it's like oh, oh yeah dude yeah. dude rick jordan parenting <laughs> tip now number 127 i limited you know I, I don't really cuss much at all but i don't especially don't cuss much around my kids maybe a little more now because they're older and my my kids really understand that the way that I feel about anything, you know, any of the four letter words is that it's meant for emphasis, but just not to say to say, you know, it's, a, it's the mm -hmm. way to actually express something because I truly believe, man, that there's some circumstances that there's no other freaking words that exist for those moments. Right. So when they right. were young though, but you're talking about the modeling when they were young, it was like a conscious effort, man. I'm like, okay, I'm going to limit myself to the word crap. And, that, and that's the only bad word in air quotes that, <laughs> that, that I'm going to say around them. So, but you're right. It was like two years old is when my kids started saying crap because it would model everything yeah. that I would do. And I, that was mind blowing to me. Just like what you're saying is that they pick up on everything and kids mm -hmm. are so observant too, you know, just with everything around you. And they pick up even on social cues. They'll pick, it's not just the things that you say, it's the ways that you interact with other people that they'll pick up on at a really stinking young age yeah so that's why it's important it's not just to be who you need to be at home but it's also who you need to be coming back to what i was saying about being publicly affectionate with your kids they will pick up on that and they will see how you yeah. interact with everybody else and them when you're out in public they remember these things and that establishes how they interact with people for the rest of their stinking lives it's something that's a huge lesson i could not believe seeing that so young but i'm gonna tell you dude it, it doesn't change those quick like moments right because my my oldest son my twins at 13 they just turned 13 uh, i've got uh, now my brain has flashbacks to when i thought that i'm going to have four kids in high school and four kids in college all at the same time or three kids sorry because <laughs> they're less than four years apart all of them but my son he just passed up in height my wife who's tall as it is for a woman she's five nine but this happened like literally overnight dude it was like two inches mm -hmm. and this just happened maybe a couple weeks ago too you know and at the beginning of the year we're thinking back and it's like, well, shoot, we're looking at photos. And this kid was like 5'4 at the beginning of the year. And now he's 5'10". You know, he's grown six That's inches huge. in just the past eight months. And his feet, too, man. I just had to get, I mean, I'm a size 13, so I got big feet. Great. I'm six one, cool. But the dude was in like a size 7 in men's at the beginning of the year. Now we just bought him ten and a halfs because they're too tight. You know, so I mean, it, it does happen. It never stops happening overnight like that. So just giving you a heads up, dude, especially for, for your dude yeah. that you have there. It's going to happen fast. It, it really has. And I think um, going back to bringing my daughter home from the first time, there there was this, like, when I brought my son home the first time, like, 
we didn't know what we were doing as a kid, yeah, you know, yeah. it's a baby and, and we're figuring it out. And it's like, Hey, we're really small. When we had my daughter, I was like, gosh, she feels a lot smaller than I remember my son being. Then we bring her home and, and because of the COVID we didn't uh, come home and my son didn't come out to the hospital to visit us for for three days. We hadn't seen him for three days. And so all of a sudden, like I felt like I left and he was still a baby in my eyes yeah, and in yeah. my mind, you know, he used three and a half, but he was, he still viewed him as like this, this baby. And I come home and I'm like, when did you get heavier? Why did you like all of a sudden look like a, like, you don't even look like a toddler anymore. You yeah, look like for sure. a boy. Yep. And you're like, like, instead of being like uh, a baby going on three, you're like three going on six, 16. It's like, oh my God, this is crazy how that jumped. So I'm like, my baby feels a lot smaller, remember, but now my son feels a lot bigger than I remember. And that was just three days ago. And it's just it's just crazy how the dynamics changed. It's awesome, man. Yeah, for sure. I do want to talk about business a little bit while we're on the, while we're on the show, you know, and yeah, get, get into that. But I, mean, I, I do appreciate your vulnerability on this. I mean, it's, this is a lot of things that, you know, because like most, you know, I think I'm like 60% male in my predominance of demographics and audience, and but it's something that dudes need that dudes need to hear, and I also feel that it's something that women need to hear too. Two dudes actually getting vulnerable about stuff, you know, and that we really really care. And for the guys, you don't need to be macho all the freaking time. Yes, you need to be confident. Women are attracted to that. You need to have direction in life. You need to have some kind of solid footing, at least some sort of plan, something you're going after. You know, some kind of just I don't know ingenuity to impress a woman but you also need to be vulnerable at the times you need to be vulnerable and that especially takes place when you have kids dude I appreciate you so much you know and I do I want to ask you some construction questions is that cool because I know this is like a complete like hard left turn but I was really excited because you're in residential construction right that's your gig and you're in purchasing and man this is interesting to me because I know there's a, from talking with different real estate professionals that I've had on the show, there's a shortage of inventory right now in a lot of markets because most are just hanging on to the homes, right? So in residential construction, are you in new construction or are you in rehab? I am primarily in new construction, although I have my hands in not rehab of like resale homes but rehab of apartments that need upgrades and improvements and okay like gotcha so what have you seen in the market shifts these i'm sure you've been asked this a lot man but where are you at and where do you see things going in the next six months or so because i mean the house that i have right now we built it right Pre- previous to that it was always previously owned homes that we had purchased and there's nothing like being able to pick out your paint there's nothing like being able to put different modifications in the home it was just like this culmination of a lot of different things and a lot of things we wanted to do i absolutely loved it because it's just made for you you know you might have a template or a blueprint you know the certain models that go in a neighborhood or a development but where do you see this going right now i mean because if there's a shortage in inventory with residential homes right now how does new construction fit into that in this post-COVID world? Well, it's a, it's a crazy, crazy time right now, right? You got unemployment is the highest it's been in really, really long time, right? Yeah. The GDP is, you know, down, extraordinarily down. Interest rates are still low. 
if you're looking to buy a house right now, it, the inventory, one, you can't find it. Two, new construction, they're just selling like left and right. Yeah. Like, you you, you got to get on a waiting list. If you're looking to rent a place, um, vacancies are... Um, down there's not a lot of new 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 stuff to go go rent uh, people aren't moving out and i think when like covid happened everybody was like oh crap like what's good like we're gonna like see home sales drop yeah we're going yeah. to see construction costs drop we're gonna see people not paying their rents and that hasn't materialized so there's like this weird shift and i'm not an economist or anything to, to really understand what could be causing this but like the things you'd expect to have the economy uh, or at least in the real estate market drop didn't happen. So, you know, if, if, if you're looking to sell your house, right, you know, now's probably a good time to probably get to be able to get uh, top of the market, but, yeah. but where are you going to go? And I think this is what I think that the, the COVID, uh, is going to make a shift one prior to this. Yes you could get on a zoom call you could do good virtual meetings you could do facetime but like i don't know about you but if somebody called me facetime and i wasn't expecting it it was like decline you know if oh, you yeah. got on a zoom call it was like phone call i'm not getting on the video right yep, yep. M- maybe like the millennials and stuff are more adapted to it but now all of a sudden instantaneously everybody's shifted like you need to be virtual right yeah. you need to go on these yeah. meetings so it got adopted really quick and it got adopted really fast by people who may have, you know, never adopted it at all. You know, if you're in your 40s and up, even 50s, 60s, you probably would have been like, hey, Zoom ain't for me. So now that you've proven that you can work remotely and be just as efficient, if not more efficient um, at your job than previously, what does that do to where you work and where you live so now all of a sudden like i'm in california and california is known for commuting right it's either you live close to your job which is tends to be in like la or or near the coast in these big cities with high rent high dollar cost of living right so you're either trading dollars for time you're either saying hey i'm gonna i'm gonna have a smaller house and I'm going to pay more money for it, but I'm going to live closer to work, or I'm going to drive further, and I'm going to have a bigger house and, and pay less for it. And there's usually this ratio of the the balance between the commute and the price of the living, and as as costs of the houses go down or it gets more compatible to to, to further commutes. Oh sure, there's like a threshold. And, yeah, how how far yeah. do we move out of town in order to save money on our living expenses? But how do we still stay close enough so that it makes sense? Yeah. yeah. So now you go, hey, I don't have to commute. Like, I could live anywhere, right? Yep. So you go, I was only living an hour, hour and a half away from my job because that's I wanted to work. I wanted to get paid here, but I couldn't afford to live close. And that's why I wanted to live because I wanted a certain style of living. But what if you said, hey, you could get that same style of living in Texas for even half that cost yeah. Yeah. and still work at your, at your job in L.A.? is that possible and so you go oh that is possible but think about it from the the flip side you know think about these i think retail uh, real estate's going to get hit pretty hard specifically commercial office space is because companies will realize like hey you know what um i don't have to have an office in a high rent district because i want to attract the top talent the top, yeah, top yeah. talent lives in the big cities they live and they want you know the big coastal houses Oh, those people can still live in those places, and they can and they can virtually commute to, um, you know, our office space. It's in you know, Reno, Nevada, or like the middle of 
Arizona, it's like all of a sudden offices don't have to have the high rent space or they don't have to have as much space because there's not as many people who are critical to be in the day-to-day office. So those type of things are going to drastically impact how real estate works, right? So if you, if you said, okay, I can move out of state and still work where I am. Now, now people in Texas and Colorado always say this, like, oh, so it's California's coming in, ca- causing our, our house prices to dr- to jump up, right? So, like, you know, you go, oh, I get 250,000, 3,000 square foot house for, you know, a quarter million dollars. Now, that's, that's let's do it. And then yeah, it, yeah. prices go up to 330, and people are still thinking, hey, that's a deal from California. But in Texas, you're like all mad about it. And so I think those type of shifts you might start seeing happen over the next few years and vice versa if people start um exiting exodusing then some of the the markets that were i would call it b markets or supporting a markets they might see a drop in in home sales and stuff like that because there's not necessarily a need to um to be there because you could you could be anywhere yeah for sure man and it's interesting how you're making the contrast between residential and commercial too and that's why i was asking really are, are you in you know is it more residential that you're in versus commercial because think about places you're saying you know these employees that can virtually commute right now right i think back to the heydays of WeWorks and all the other co-working spaces that exist it's like first off exactly what you're saying man is that WeWorks used to be the place to get some quick office space when you need an office space but now the demand is so much lower for commercial office space and those places i remember being in one in bellevue washington at the beginning of this like the first weekend in march and it's right when the nursing homes got hit there i mean the very beginning of this man because that's where it sort of whatever started in the u.s was over in seattle in that area and when i was there the place was freaking empty and now i remember prior to this whole thing with WeWorks is that they would pack people in. I mean, they'd have like a 10 by 10 room that they would sell as a six person office, you know, because you could space people two feet apart on one side of the the room and just, you know, shoulder to shoulder and really pack them in there and get the most bang for your buck. But those things would sell for like four grand a month or something like that, depending on the city that you were in. And now they can't because of some of the even like social distancing rules that exist in a lot of these cities to where now that's not a six person office anymore that's a two-person office but then wait a second do we even need to come into the office at all what were these people doing before and do they need to be present there's some industries that i think the answer to that question is yes however what is we work we work was for a lot of startups right especially in tech and now a lot of those companies are leveraging things exactly what we're doing on the show zoom or, or anything else and that's going to start to plummet but now how that affects residential it's intriguing me so much what you're saying because now all these people that had to live you know maybe inside the inner city because they were walking there and they're figuring out they were walking to their we work or walking to a different co-working space like a regis and now they're saying you know what maybe i don't have to pay so much to live in the inner city anymore now i need to go outside because i can literally live like you were saying in texas or anywhere else and still work air quotes in the city in la downtown at my job while i'm sitting in my my living room in in Texas now in a nice affordable community but wait a second I can't find a freaking home because there's no homes that are on the market this is weird conundrum it's crazy crazy times for sure like you know they'll, they'll probably be 
a shortage of homes until they can figure out a way to build them quicker and get through permitting and stuff like that. And, you know, California has always been um, known for their challenges of building. It, no. The cost of real estate always <laughs> A challenge high. in California, uh, <laughs> not just real estate. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Dude, how did you end up settling there? I'm going to get real on you here. How did you end up settling there in California? Was it a place you grew uh, up or what drew you to the state? I, no, I, I grew up in Nebraska, right? And I almost spit my water, dude. <laughs> I, I was born in California. My dad was in the Navy. So for the first year of my life, we were stationed in San Pedro, which is kind okay. of Long Beach. He was in the Navy, and but my folks grew, grew up in Nebraska. So my dad left the Navy, and we moved back there from the time I was one till about the time I was 25. I was in Nebraska. Went to high school, you know, grade school, elementary, and then I went to college. And well, I think one of the things that stuck out to me when I was a kid is we always went to California or Arizona for some sort of family vacation yeah. in the winter time. Like we'd go to Disneyland or we'd go to spring training baseball. And there was something about leaving Midwest, cold, windy, blustery weather and going someplace at 70, 80 degrees in the middle of you know February, March, and being able to wear your, your shorts and your t-shirt and just loving it. And I was like, you know what? I, I really hate winters i just i just can't stand them and uh i'm with you on that growing up in the midwest or the the winter like you say oh snow's great well try how if you got to go anywhere in the morning you got to get out and <laughs> start your car snow sucks ass windows like yep. shoveling the driveway you know and it's not like snow's nice the day it falls but like when it's yeah. a three-day old snow and it's all dirty and muddy <laughs> melty ice it's not it's not cool anymore so i was like i'm out of here um luckily our our college had a um a recruiting um of a i don't know what you call a festival or yeah something like that like a career fair and, kind uh, of thing yeah yeah, career yeah. Fair. that's where i was looking for <laughs> and uh this company that was based out of omaha nebraska that had a division in california came in and they're recruiting and there's like hey um look at all these slideshows and this was back when they had the carousel of like the photo slides that would show up on the thing it was before oh the you're platform. you're like old school and, yeah uh, you said you're a yeah, child of the 80s like, right hey. i remember that crap too <laughs> yep <laughs> they're like here's this here's this project in um, san diego and point loma that we're working on here's this one in la near the beach we're working on and at the time they're doing a bunch of stuff in hawaii too and they're like here's these coastal like projects in hawaii i was like this is this is it, man. Yep. This is this is for me. So, um, they hired me on as an intern, and they called me up and said, "Hey, we got a spot for you. It's uh, in Bakersfield, and you you start on you know Monday. It wasn't really Monday, but like they gave me the starting date. And I was like, well, that's cool. Where's Bakersfield? Um, if for those who don't know where Bakersfield is, it's it's smack dab in the center of California. It's basically probably get some heat for this, but it's the armpit of California, the Central <laughs> Valley. It's, nice. it's, there's yep. nothing around it. If you tell anybody yep. like, um, hey, I'm in California and I'm in Bakersfield, they're like, oh, sorry to hear that, man. Yeah. But um, for me, I enjoyed it. I really did because it was a good transition to come from the Midwest. Uh, the town was small, three or 400,000 people lived there. It was very similar uh, to, to how I grew up in Nebraska. There was a lot of transplants from Oklahoma. I had family in Oklahoma. So it was kind of like this, like easing into the California lifestyle. And eventually I got transferred to some other jobs. We're in San Diego and Orange County. Oh yeah, now you're right in the heart of it. Yep. Yeah, but that that's essentially how I came out um, to, to California and uh, just, you know, never, never went back. 
It happens, right? And plus, you had the roots there from your dad, right? And it was a Navy that you said he was in, correct? Yeah. 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 You, yeah. Were you ever in the military? No, no, I, I didn't join the military. That's a that's. Yeah, broke, I, broke the streak. I, my, I feel you. you. Know, go yeah. through the chain of you know my parents and my grandparents <laughs> well, were all in it. So. You see both sides of it, right? And dude, I, there's nothing more that I feel than just love and respect for our military, because you know, they protect every single part of what we do in our freedoms. And dude, it was just meeting with some Department of Defense people at the White House a couple weeks ago too. I was there in the West Wing and just for cybersecurity stuff and seeing their love for our country. I mean, guys who did like three tours in Afghanistan, right? Uh, or in Iraq and just seeing their love for our country just is mind boggling to me. You know, cause I, I feel like I'm a, a hardcore patriot and I am, but then I see these guys and they have literally bled for what you and I are able to do now. And that's, that's mind blowing, you know? So I, I love doing what I'm doing and being able to support them in ways that are still not in it, right? They're bringing awareness to that, you know, helping some of them through some tough times in life. And I feel that every one of us has somewhat of an obligation to do that you know so i don't know how that would translate to you you know maybe it's a building project that you could do you know you probably do stuff already i'm sure especially coming from a military family you probably have that ingrained in you man that it's just an amazing part of our culture and our society that exists in america yeah i think it's it's important to support um the military and people that are in the military have been in the military the veterans yet you're right they've done uh, a tremendous service supporting um and sacrifice to go you know yeah out of yeah. the country and do what they need to do as well as serving domestically and um you know you're you know if you haven't been in the military i think you have a duty to um try to try to you know do your part to support the country in whatever fashion that might be, lean into your gifts, helping others lift up and, and, and lead by an example as well too. Yeah, man, right on. Like taking everything for granted and, you know. Yeah, for sure. And that, you know, I, well, sometimes I get a little political in statements that I make, but I was just gonna say, <laughs> I'm not gonna get political, but it, the mind blowing part to me is that we're having such a tough time in our country right now. You know, and I, I feel like this is gonna continue for a couple months, you know, so even this this show we're on right now might post a month from now, right? Because we, we do two a week and we're always stacking these up. Even at that point, it's like all of our problems are not gonna go away a month from now. I know that, whether it's mm -hmm. with COVID, we have an election coming up. You know, there's just a lot of divisiveness that exists, but I feel like exactly Exactly what you just said is never forgetting those who literally bled for our country, those who have, have served in order for us to even enjoy the ability to walk outside our front door without military walking through the streets every single day, like in a communist country. You know, that's the stuff that I feel that is just so unifying. And even in the film that I'm doing right now, Liberty Lockdown, man, that's one of the things that I see across the United States that is encouraging, especially being at the White House a couple weeks ago was that that is sort of generally the consensus and I think what happens is it, the waters get muddy when we start removing that from the mix and just thinking about well I'm going to focus everything on me and how it affects me versus what you're saying is just go out there and figure out how you can contribute your gifts to everybody else around you 
It's a perspective mm. shift, man. Because when you're looking at everybody else around, it's like, cool. Well, I may not be so good at building houses, right? But I can freaking protect people from a, from the dark web. That's what I can do. I can make sure that your money doesn't get stolen out of your freaking bank account. That's what I can do. Whether you're a veteran or not a veteran, that's one way that I'm serving my country. It does not even compare to those that have bled on the front lines. I get that. But that's what I can do. That's my gift. That's my ability. That's what I've built. And I know that I can serve people in that way. You know, for you, it's building new homes, right? People need a place to live. Vets need a place to live. Or even active military that live off base need a place to live, a place that they can feel safe, apart from all the chaos that they're dealing with on an everyday basis. I really feel that if that can just be really embodied in this country again, that will unify so many people and help shift the perspective of saying, well, you know what? If it's mask or no mask, well, how does it affect me? Well, let's look at how it affects everybody else. Yes, you need to think about yourself and what you have. Maybe some people have special needs. That's great because I'm neither, neither pro-mask or against mask. But, dude, you got me fired up now because you're saying, hey, <laughs> dude, use your gifts for everybody else that's there. That's it. That's what you got to do. Stop looking yeah, at I yourself did. and putting yourself in front of everybody else because that is not what makes a society. That is not what makes a culture. So suck it. That's the straight truth for everybody that just puts themselves ahead. Mic drop. Man, thanks for getting me fired up. There you go. You, know, you really do have to lean into your gifts, and, and you have an obligation, right? Because, like, let's say you, you just choose not to deliver what you're good at, what you're doing, right? There, there's a whole economy a whole society you'll never be successful if you don't lean in your right. gifts never but but you also have a responsibility that there's a lot of trust uh, like that's being assumed that people are going to deliver right so i like if you go hey i'm going to go buy a house or i'm going to sell my house there is a whole economy or ecosystem working around people doing what they're expected to do right and if you decide that you're not going to participate or you say that's not what's in it for me i'm just not going to do it but you know you're leaving a little hole in the chain now granted there's probably going to be some people who come back and say if you're not going to do it i'm going to do it but if everybody kind of was all just like hey not holding up their end of the bargain helping out society as a whole and looking out to like hey how can i help everybody else out because you go oh maybe i'm just protecting people from the dark web or maybe i'm just building houses but you know am i building a house or am i building a home where somebody can grow up and have memories in right are you protecting somebody from having you know massive amounts of 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 securities like stolen from them or their identity stolen or you know whatever and you're taking away their ability to as we talked about earlier raise their family properly and and give the efforts that they need to do to influence their child's upbringing because they're like where do i go to 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 have a place to live or what do i do about this dilemma i've gotten and starting to take away your limited resources of where you need to devote i think it really boils down to is you know, helping others, serving others first. Yeah, man. Um, and just seeing where that takes you, because I, I believe that when you're when you go with that intention first and foremost, it kind of doesn't really matter where your political leanings might be. But if you guide yourself up, am I helping or am I hurting other people? 
that's going to give you the right answer of the right thing to do. Right on, dude. And you're talking, you're literally talking about really the ways to accomplish things, you know, as far as whether the you're conservative or liberal, if you want to put those labels on it, or Republican or Democrat or Libertarian, whatever it is. I, I find that pretty much everybody really wants the same thing. It's just our differences fall as far as how to accomplish those things. Yeah, at least for the ones that are generally not self-serving. That's how, how I see uh, really the, the commonality with American people. But then there's people that just crave power that want to get into place. And then that's where the division comes from, because they are self-serving. They are the ones that inject that that nastiness into people's hearts and say, well, what about you? I'm going to do this for you. Right. What? What? How about the message if someone just came and said, I'm going to do this for the American people rather than saying, I'm going to cut you a stimulus check, you know, because because now they're talking directly to a person thinking like, well, yeah, I got to get mine too. You know, why should I be any different than the person down the street? No, that's not the thing. How about collectively we, we look at this as a society, as a culture? That's how we were founded, man. And dude, bringing it back all the way around to what you said again was just how do we raise a family? You know, in the midst of this stuff, and I think that's really the key, is that we just show our kids how we treat others, as we were talking at the very beginning of this, because then it's not self-serving. Then it's where we are putting everybody else in front of us, you know, to, of course, responsibly, because it's not what everybody needs to eat. I get that. But just putting the needs of everybody as a society before us and using our gifts to accelerate our entire culture, our entire community. That's what I feel that we've got to get back to, man. Isn't that just a, a unifying thought? I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think if you start having thoughts, th those those messages start influencing your behaviors, your thoughts, your actions. Yeah. You're going to see a, a shift in, in the polarization of people. You got it. That's awesome, dude. Well, man, I'd love to wrap this up now because I don't think that we can say anything else that's meaningful. <laughs> there's a point in time that it just comes to cool. You know, there's the mic drop and that that's it. You know, it's consumable. Yeah. Man, where can everyone find you online, social media and everything else? Because you're a new construction expert. And I know we didn't get into too much of that today. We did a little bit. But, you know, it's still so many people can just benefit from being connected to you. Where can we find you? Yeah, so the, the main point, main hub to go to is my website, natepeo.com. That's nate, N-A-T-E-P-E-O, one word, dot com. Um, from there, you can get connected to everything I have going on, my social media links, if you want to check out my podcast, or you want to get connected. Um, I'm a big believer in networking with people, oh, yeah. personal relationships, yep. and, and not just like, hey, hey, what can you do for me? What can I do for you? But constantly looking to, hey, I know somebody over here that you could benefit knowing or they could benefit knowing you and I want to continually play matchmaker so I'm always out there trying to find more people that I can connect with on a, on a on a deeper level not just trading business cards but really hey what do you do who do you do it for and how can I serve you and constantly trying to just reinforce these relationships so that together we can all, you know, help each other out, yeah, help each other yeah. out. So I always encourage everybody. I'm not one of those people that hides and says, hey, don't reach out. Um, get connected with me from my website. You can find me on all my social medias, and it's easy. Just, you know, shoot the, shoot the DMs. Say, hey, what's up? I heard you on All In with Rick Jordan, and, and then we can go from there. That's awesome, brother. Dude, thanks so much for being on, man. 
Appreciate you. All right. Appreciate you having right. me, man. This is a fun conversation. <laughs> it was. Yep, for sure. Cool. Hope it was different, man. I'm sure you do a lot of podcasts, but it, yeah, I'll always uh, I get into <laughs> the real. Yeah. Cool, brother. Thanks, my man. De- never, never had conversations about children and turning into uh, wrapping it up with uh, how to live our lives. Good. So, definitely different. <laughs> Love it. Awesome, man. Well, thanks, brother. Thank you. All right. Hey, thanks for going all in with me today. Subscribe to the show so you get the new episodes when they come out. Rate and review the show if you're listening on iTunes. Follow me on social media at Mr. Rick Jordan. As always, you can find links and references to anything we've talked about in this episode in the show notes. And finally, share this episode with someone who you think might be able to level up their life by listening. I am Rick Jordan and I approve this message.